This is a Data Science Channel program from the Halijialu Data Science Institute. Visit us at ucsd.tv slash data-science to learn more about how data is shaping our future. Uh, to the panel on technical limitations of ChatGPT. So uh, I want to thank uh, our panelist, uh, Mikhail Belkin, Professor in HDSI, Shiting Hu, also Professor in HDSI, uh, Dirash Makala, PhD student in HDSI, and Zihan Wang, PhD student in HDSI. Uh, so I want to start with a question about um, you know, your experiences with ChatGPT, where you've seen it succeed and where you've seen it fail. So uh, while ChatGPT has surprised many with its abilities to do complex tasks, such, such as solve that puzzle I showed early on today, uh, it can also fail at relatively simpler tasks, like counting the number of words in a sentence. So uh, can you characterize the task that ChatGPT maybe doesn't excel at? What does it struggle with? And why does it struggle on problems like that? Yeah. Um... In my experience, uh, the ChatGPT specifically struggles with problems involving uh, multi-step reasoning and uh, you know any mathematical reasoning and logic. So, for example, uh, if if it has to use its previous answers to answer the you know next question, for example, if there is a query, uh, how many World Cups did Italy win between 1960 to 70 when Pele played, and uh, India was ruled by Great Britain. So there are like so many complex queries in that, and it has to answer each one of them and aggregate. Uh, you know, it, sometimes it gets it right, and sometimes it does wrong. And uh, as you have said, like you know, the counting, you know, anything that involves reasoning and uh, you know, computational logic, uh, like you know, some mathematical uh, reasoning stuff, it gets wrong. That's what I, I observed in my experience. And uh, I mean, to answer the next question, like you know, why does it get wrong? Uh, because it was it was trained on uh, you know next word prediction task. Uh, so the first thing you know, the next word prediction task doesn't necessarily uh, uh, you know explicitly ask it to learn the you know the logical part of it. And also the second thing is once it gets a single token wrong, there is no way of fixing it back. So you know there is like an exponential. Uh, uh, the, the probabilities of getting it wrong gets exponential high as it generates longer sequences. Okay, yeah, um, and uh, also what I observed is that um, ChatGPT sometimes like it cannot like faithfully answer like what it actually knows and what it actually doesn't know. So, um, for example, if I just ask him like uh, uh, who Zhihan Wang is, and it will try to make up something that uh, looks logically correct. Maybe it saw my personal website online. It will scratch some of them, uh, but make say say that I'm a like a postdoc at CMU, which is uh, absolutely incorrect. I never searched Zhihan Wang at CMU. So um, it tries to make something correct. So it has this ability of generating like fluent sense, uh, sequences that somehow matches like uh, certain like keywords, but it doesn't really know like what are the um, correct like uh, uh, factual knowledge that exists in the world. So um, that's kind of one of its limitation, I think. And uh, the reason that it doesn't isn't able to answer that, um, I feel like it's partially because of it's never trained on such. Um, data before it never has the uh, enough exposure to data such that it needs to faithfully answer that um, I never saw this thing before I have to say uh, I don't know uh, probably it was trained on a bit of it but it's not enough to uh, match like all the abundant knowledge that it hasn't ex uh, been exposed before 
right? So I, I kind of want to follow up on that, the, the problem of hallucinations, because I think uh, maybe the first thing you might think of is, well, why can't it just cite its sources? What are the technical limitations that would prevent a large language model from saying, this is where I found this information? Yeah, I think uh, uh, the research for uh, citing its source is currently you know, happening. And uh, there are even some, uh, for example, UChat, I think uh, it, it cites its sources. Yeah, so this is like you know, exploring, uh, uh, re- re- this is the research that is being explored now to cite its sources. But uh, yeah, as Zian said, you know the the space of possibilities and impossibilities. You know the space of impossibilities is comparatively much larger than the space of possibilities, and it is not being explored uh, exposed to you know the space of impossibilities uh, to say that you know it is not possible or it, it doesn't know about that. And citation might fix it, and it's you know the, the research is going on towards that. So uh, earlier, uh, Jingbo talked about how large language models are growing in size in terms of number of parameters, also in terms of the, the size of the data set that they're being trained on. And so I want to ask, um, the current deficiencies of LLMs, where we see them struggle, do you have a sense that it's just a matter of increasing the amount of data, increasing the uh, number of parameters, or increasing the number of GPUs? What are, what are sort of the bottlenecks to improving the performance of the models? What do you see as the trajectory there? Yeah, okay, so uh, I think, you know, scaling, right, in terms of data and the model size uh, will, will definitely kind of further improve the performance of ChatGPT, right? Uh, we, we saw, like, say, GPT-4 is kind of better than GPT-3.5 on a lot of problems, and maybe GPT-5 is even stronger. Um, but I don't think, you know, scaling is everything, Um as you know, the, uh, the other panelists, they, they, they mentioned those problems, right? ChatGPT uh, cannot work well at this point. Uh, for some of the problems, I don't think scaling can solve them. Uh, so one, one particular example is, you know, those problems that require, you know, explicit tracking or maintenance of the word state. Um, let's say you, you, you tell ChatGPT uh, you have an apple in the fridge, and then you took that apple uh, and put it on the table, and then you continue to tell ChatGPT that you, you 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 did a bunch of other things, like say whatever like you, you you replied an email, you 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 drove to the campus, whatever, and then you ask ChatGPT where's the apple? ChatGPT cannot answer that because it is basically does not track the status of the the state of the world. It's just a, a, a kind of language model that's simulating the next words. So uh, that's kind of a fundamental limitation of the formulation, um, I think. Yeah, I, I, I also um, feel that scaling... Well, on one hand side, we consistently have seen that scaling the number of parameters and the number of uh, the amount of data has uh, led to improvement in performance. So no doubt that more data and more parameters will help. I'm also, um, I think there is a limit, like even when we go to effectively infinite number of parameters, there is a limit to how much performance you can squeeze out of that. Um, On the other hand, um, I I would like to say that um, what we have seen you know, if you told me five years ago that uh, these models would do what they're doing now, I wouldn't have believed it. So 
I think our predictions should be maybe taken with a little bit of a grain of salt. We didn't see this coming, so I'm not like super confident <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess to summarize, would you, would you consider any of the limitations right now to be fundamental to the model itself, the technology, transformer architecture? Or, or is this just going to be, it's just a matter of more data? So I would say the formulation or next, next word prediction, is a, it has the fundamental limitations, basically. You, have, uh, you know, there are a lot of things you need to model, basically, beyond the language and beyond this next word prediction. So... Uh, that's my take. Yeah, I um, sort of, my rational mind uh, sort of agrees with that, but honestly, I don't know. I, 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 think. Uh, I, I have a small point to add. I mean, for the next word prediction, uh, you know, the, our intuition behind that uh, is like, you know, as you scale up the model and as you increase the data, uh, the model sort of uh, understands the context in a better way to predict the next token. But, uh, uh, yeah, as uh, Professor Zitting said, you know, it doesn't remember the state very well. If, you know, I, I, even if you increase the model or, uh, you know, even if it increases the data. So there is some fundamental limitation that I believe for the next word token, next token prediction task. Yeah. Um. I, I can add another different perspective. I think it's a slightly, slightly different. So I feel like, like if ultimately we just want a machine that can answer all the questions, then um, it's possible that we can just, like, regardless of human effort, just gather all the possible questions in the world and just uh, annotate them all with a one-truth answer and feed it to the model to train it. But uh, the crucial point here that I, I view is that um, the data is just like too much. Like We cannot afford to... Uh, really uh, uh, gather all, all, all the possible questions. We cannot afford to actually annotate all the possible questions. And we have to rely on the model to generalize some of the questions to uh, answer the other questions. And at that point is uh, what I feel like um, uh, could uh, vary very differently like between like some uh, tasks that is easy to, to generalize and some tasks that will be hard to generalize. And uh, the uh, logical tasks that was just discussed before I personally view it as some task that is quite hard to generalize because um, first, uh, it doesn't really naturally exist in uh, uh, online data, and second, it doesn't really, uh, uh, it, it's kind of like uh, the, the learning to, uh, the, the uh, function that maps the input to output could be very hard for the model to understand because it involves like complex logic. So for me, like the architecture-wise, or the, um, it, I'm not sure if transformer is the best, but I feel like uh, it's more on the training procedure size. How do we actually allow the model to train in a way such that it knows, it learns how to generalize better? Uh, that is uh, another uh, limitation that uh, I feel like could be uh, the bottleneck. All right, thanks. So speaking of training these models, um, they're, they're trained on large, large amounts of text data on the internet. Um, and uh, it's speculated that large amounts of the internet will become generated by AI in the next few years. So the question is, does this pose a problem for the training of the model, given that it's trained on its own output? Um, I personally won't be uh, concerned much about uh, training the language models in future using AI-generated data, because 
you know, there are techniques being developed to identify the AI-generated data. So I guess you know we can always filter very accurately to identify, you know, the human-generated data out of and the whole internet and just train based on that. But uh, I mean, I think the you know more uh, difficult problem to solve is, you know, it's not very evident for a human to say this is AI generated or human generated, whereas you know algorithms can do that. But for human, it's difficult. So I think the disinformation will be a you know bigger problem than training data for language models. Uh, yeah, I, I do have a worry. You know, uh, you know, people are using ChatGPT to help them, you know, write text or produce whatever they want to write. Uh, so we do have a project trying to study this problem. We call it pollution uh, by those large language models, you know, uh, to, to the web. So, uh, you know, it's not not just about like say all the training data on the web, you know, are created by the by language model and how that would impact uh, the next uh, say GPT five. Uh, we may also worry about you know how the use of ChatGPT may impacts the human, you know, language, right? Uh, like say, ChatGPT may have some pattern or bias on using some of the words instead of other words. Would this gradually reshape, you know, how we human use language, right? And would that eventually lead to the change or shift of our, even our human culture, right? So uh, that's kind of the problem we, we, we're kind of thinking about. Of course, it's kind of a, a very... Uh, high-level abstract problems uh, when, when not sure yet. I want to talk a little bit about the sense in which these models develop a world model. That, that I, I realize this is very speculative, but uh, in, in the intro today I gave a problem where I said there were two rooms, and each room has a window on the north side. And Alice is in the first room, and, and Bob is in the second room. And uh, they, they couldn't hear. They had earplugs in. Uh, and there's nothing in either of the rooms, but Alice has a cell phone. She's going to get a message, and she has to relay the information that she got a message to Bob. And the, the model said that what she should do is shine the flashlight of the cell phone out the window onto the ground so that Bob could see the light and infer that she received a text message, which seems to suggest that the model understands a lot about the world. right? Um, and so I guess the question is, uh, these models are trained just to predict the next word, right? Do you think that's enough for these models to build a rich understanding of the world like we have? Uh, can it emerge from that sort of training process? Well, um, I think it's um, very tempting to say that we have a unique uh, ability to uh, build world models, but it's hard to see why it cannot have a world model given that what we observe about its behavior. I mean, if you think about the human intelligence, it's a product of, you know, like a few billion years of evolution, right, which allowed us to build the models that we have. Certainly for each individual humans, uh, human, we learn from much, much less data than those models have. But it's sort of... Um, I don't see any fundamental reason why a world model cannot be obtained from this sort of collective uh, output of you know human thought that it's being trained on. I, I think a, a 
An issue with that, of course, is that the models, at least as they are now, they don't have access to the physical world, and they only have access through the social construct that, uh, um, that you know, the, the, the humankind produced. But um, as far as the model is concerned, I would say that probably we can argue it has some sort of world model. Uh, yeah, I agree. Like, uh, I do think that large language models are a type of world model uh, because they are modeling language, and the language itself is a representation of the world. Right? We use language to describe the, the, the state, uh, the action, right? and then how the state will change. So uh, as far as simple next work prediction model is a, is a world model. Right? So, uh, but the problem is that uh, language is ambiguous, and the language is very noise- noisy. Um, so that kind of determines that you know um, the large language models are, are noisy and uh, kind of um, ambiguous. Also, language is not the most many times is not the most efficient representation of some of the world states. Like say you ha- we have two chairs here. You want uh, and my question is. What's, 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 what are the differences between these two chairs, right? So you can, you can use language to dis- describe the difference, but it's very, very difficult. You have to say a lot of things. Uh, there are a lot of nuanced differences here, right? So sometimes it's easier to just post the two images, right, of the two chairs, right? So images are more efficient representation for this particular question, right? So uh, large language models using language to represent the world or to, to, to kind of model the world, uh, is, is very powerful because language is powerful, not because the next word prediction is powerful. Uh, but it's not complete, and it's not efficient enough in many cases. Thanks. So I want to catch up on time, but I guess last question, any bold predictions for the next five or so years? <laughs> <laughs> I won't put you on the spot, <laughs> but I just did. Um, yeah, I think this is motivated by uh, by Minsky saying in 1970 that in the next eight years we'll have human level AI, and I think if if he were alive today he might make the same claim again. I won't make any bold predictions, <laughs> but um, uh, Sebastian Bubek from Microsoft, who who is actually a theoretician. Um, leads the theory group at Microsoft Research. Uh, he has been um, giving talk. They just published a hundred plus page paper on various aspects of um, GPT-4. They, they got to play with it earlier than other people. And uh, he's been going around giving this talk titled First Contact. So, you know. Though I, so, I suppose it should be stated that Microsoft, which Bubek works for, is a large funder of chat. That's GPT a very fair point. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I want to thank the, the, the panel for their, their participation today. Uh,